This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show. With all of the, how to put this, bad news, just just characterize it as bad news that we are inundated with day after day. Today, I'd like to spend some time on some good news. So we have with us Lori Millman, who is the executive director of the Center for New Americans, and Dave Sullivan, who is the district attorney for the Northwestern District. And we want you to know about an event happening next Wednesday, September 28th at 33 Holly Street here in Northampton. Let me start with you, Lori Millman. Tell me what is happening, and then we are going to uh, quiz the district attorney. Yes. We didn't warn him in advance. Well, good morning, Bill and Dave and Monty, and thank you for having us on. So Center for the New Americans is holding our annual meeting, which, of course, is required by law for all nonprofits. That's th- we, this is called burying the lead, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> come to an annual meeting. Actually, it is an interesting annual meeting. It's, it's an interesting a, way it's, to do an annual meeting. It's it a is. fun annual meeting is, because right. our students and our clients are present and a lot of our volunteers. But we're also holding our second civics bee. Um, you've heard of spelling bees. <laughs> But, you know, this is a moment when uh, a lot of us think that our democracy could be in jeopardy. And civics is one of the things that makes democracy work. If you know the history and you know the laws and you know how to play, then democracy has a chance to thrive. So we're holding a civics bee. And civics is particularly important and relevant to Center for New Americans because we teach civics in all of our English classes for speakers of other languages. And all of our new citizens, and we have one here in the studio, Quid J, all of our new citizens have to pass a civics exam to become new citizens. This but is, all of us old citizens are sort of born into it without the exam. So This is, this is a part of the naturalization process that someone who is applying to become a citizen has to pass this test. We we point out that on the show in years past, we have given this test or asked the questions to various uh, distinguished members of our community who get the answers wrong, (laughs) which is pretty interesting, or at least find them head scratching. Well, fortunately, Monty has been able to keep his citizenship every year that we've given him (laughs) Every year I get a quiz in July before the naturalization ceremony, and so far every year I've passed. Okay, pretty good. So, uh, just tell us a bit more. I mean, it, I, I was making a, a little bit of fun of saying come to a corporate annual meeting. It actually is, I think, really inspiring. Right. A- and the B itself is inspiring. Tell us just a bit more about that, Lori Millman, please. So the, the civics B is really a lot of fun. So what C- is it? Describe C- what Civics happens. Bs are competitions that are actually quite popular in the eastern part of the state. They're organized by the League of Women Voters, and they involve high school students and they pose questions having to do with U.S. history and government. Um, our Civics Bee um, involves a lot of our local leaders who are very brave to take this risk. So Representative Lindsay Sabadosa of Northampton, Representative Mindy Dom of Amherst, Mayor Gina Louise Shara of Northampton, our Northwestern District Attorney here, Dave Sullivan, Um, have all agreed to serve on our team. Senator Joe Comerford was going to be on the team. She was on the team last year, but she got summoned by Congressman McGovern to the 
White House summit on hunger. So she'll be out of the state on Wednesday. And Northampton City Council President uh, Jim Nash is going to take her place on the team. And our board member, Victoria Maio, who is also a naturalized citizen, will be on a team. And then to fill those teams out, we have three people who have actually taken the civics exam. So sitting next to me, we have Quid Jay, who was on the show in July because he was naturalized on July 4th. And two other new citizens, Renier Esteves and Sandra Varela, our clients, all just passed the exam. They will also be on the teams. The questions were developed by our citizenship coaches. So we have volunteers who spend time working with the citizenship applicants to help them prepare for the exam. So Faith Harrison, Susan McIntosh, and Margaret Grosbeck are longtime tutors. They have prepared many of our clients, and they got together, and with just a touch of wickedness and mischief, they came up with the questions. And the reason that it's mischievous is that people like Quood don't get a multiple choice test when they take the test. The, the question is asked of them and they have to choose. Uh, they have we, to know the answer. But um, we have multiple choice answers. So, so we help out our elected officials in... We help them a little bit. <laughs> all of the above. All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good strategy. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for that, Mr. District Attorney. That's very helpful. So let me just understand one piece about this, Lori. You have Lindsay Sabadosa and Mindy Dom and Gina Lucera and Dave Sullivan and Jim Nash. And do they play together to sort of uh, put in one pot their collective wisdom, or are they competing against competing. each other? So there are three teams, two leaders and a new citizen, and they compete. The, the stakes are pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dude, like Celebrity Jeopardy without the celebrities. <laughs> well, with the well, celebrities. Well, the local celebrities. <laughs> we have local no. celebrities. You, he didn't mean that. We lost. Yes, I did. We lost Joe Comerford. That's the tough part. <laughs> right. Uh, she's kind of a ringer. Was she on your team, Dave? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now you're in trouble. I think we, we were a tie. I think it was a three-way tie. We, we got all the questions right, I think, last yeah, year. Yeah, I think. I think. Don't you, give it a soft No pulse. one embarrassed themselves. Let's yeah. just put it that That's way. important. Lori, do you have some of the questions? Do you want to do a All right. So I'll, I'll just I, – I can't divulge too many of the questions because then – Sully would have a, yeah, an advantage, you know, that's not fair. But it's the other but team's fault for not listening to this one. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Okay, okay. One, correct so one point for so Sullivan. One okay. question. Um, where is the Statue of Liberty? And the choices are Italy, New York Harbor, and Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> I believe that the president, <laughs> in his mind, declassified the Statue of Liberty and moved it to Mar-a-Lago and hid it in a closet. Oh, I think Mar I believe that the deed... Uh, for the Statue of Liberty, uh, Liberty is in a classified document <laughs> that was seized at Mar-a-Lago. But New York Harbor, and it's beautiful. I've been there. I've actually been to Ellis Island, which is a phenomenal place, and they have great uh, genealogy there. It's really super. So, uh, Quid Jay, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, you probably actually uh, know more about this than any of us here, but uh, your, your thoughts about the Statue of Liberty? Yes. Uh, yeah, I can get that. Like because when I go take my test, all those questions, the question, like they ask me about it. Really? Yeah. Did we get the answer correct, Quid? Where is the Statue of Liberty? Uh, New York Harbor. There we go. I knew it. 
Uh, Jay, we should point out, was a refugee from Ethiopia. He was naturalized as a citizen this past July 4th. And congratulations again. That's really, really, really makes me happy. So, Lori Millman, um, the Statue of Liberty, we now have identified that it is in Mar-a-Lago, um, but it, it will be returned. <laughs> the deed is. The deed is. <laughs> it, will be, it will be returned soon, maybe. Um, Want to give us another? Uh, what are these cards that you have in front of you, these quiz cards? Well, I have the actual, the actual quiz card. So a new citizen, a citizenship applicant can be asked 10 of 100 questions randomly chosen by computer, and they don't know which questions will be chosen. So they need to learn the answers to all of them. So here is the quiz card for where is the Statue of Liberty and New York Harbor and Liberty Island also acceptable are New Jersey, near New York City, and on the Hudson River. So these are the choices that you would, these are the options that the interviewer would accept. But you would not see these options as, as you don't have that. So when crutch. you take the citizen's when exam. When you take the exam, you just get the question. Where is the You statue? don't have a multiple right. choice. You don't have that little crutch to lean on. But yeah. hopefully you've studied, and that's what our volunteers um, these wicked questioners um, help clients to do. And so the, are the questions that the teams will be asked at the Civics Bee, again, that's next Wednesday, September 28th at uh, 33 Holly Street. What time, by the way? Um, the event is from 5 to 7, and there's some mingling and some wonderful food prepared by one of our former students from Iraq. The um, program update starts at 5.30. The Civics B should be at about 5.45, maybe till 6.15. So you can get home and do your homework, get your kids ready for school, whatever. But we do ask for a reply. We would like to know if you're coming. So okay, so how do people sign up? Email laurie at cnam.org. C-N-A-M. Center for New Americans. Thank you. Okay, so... With that, with that, uh, the district attorney Dave Sullivan now is uh, in the lead for. How did he get in the lead? I'm not sure. Okay, so you're going to sh share another question or two with us, Laurie, or no? Um, well, I will give you just one more question with um, with the uh, answers, and then um, and then you're going to have to come to the event. Name one of the writers of the Federalist Papers. And your options are... Oh, let's stop. Let's okay. not give them a... Let's, okay. Let's not. Hamilton. Oh. Oh, Dave, no. the district attorney yeah. goes for yeah. Hamilton. Monty? No. no, it's James Madison. Okay. It's at, Hamilton wrote the most of them, though. He wrote 51. He wrote but I only really? know this because of Hamilton the musical. <laughs> John Jay is another one. Yeah. And... Uh, Hamilton but, wrote a play too, didn't he? He did. It's done on Broadway. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. And, 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 and won all the Tonys. And, he, and, he, and he's a, and he's an amazing vocalist, right? Madison wrote some, right? Well, the the answer that would be accepted is James Madison. Oh. So yeah. we're now he's now two for two. Well, that's very good. And I would have gotten Madison because there's a wonderful book called Madison's oh. Music, which is about his explanation about the Constitution. Kind of a fan. Fan-based sort of sort of book, but still. What's Snow Hamilton? I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> we can say that. Okay, Laura, you want to give us one more one more pitch about this, or are we? Gonna um, I don't want to give you too many more questions. Okay, but right. I just want to say that um, we have a lot of fun. 
We highlight the importance of knowing civics and being familiar. It's um, an informed electorate is um, a responsible electorate. We teach civics in our classes. We help people like Hood prepare for citizenship. Um, many of us who are born here are not nearly as on our game. So we have a little fun with this. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. and We're going to speak further with Quid because I want to know what his story is, how he came to the United States, and what citizenship means to him. We'll be right back. How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore This is Bill Newman, WHMP. in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by providence and poverty. Hey everyone, Gordon Oliver here, and if you don't know me, I'm the host of the weekly Saturday show, The Cambridge Connection, on WHMP.com and wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. For the last year, I've been privileged to connect you, our listeners, with experts from a variety of financial industries and organizations that offer assistance and education to help everyone become more financially fit. See you on Saturday. School is back in session, and that means FAFSA time. Learn what you may not know about filling out FAFSA forms, Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on WHMP. Join Mark Patrick Seminars and lose the weight guaranteed for only $49.99. Hypnosis designed to stop disordered eating and cravings. Also, you can stop smoking with Mark Patrick Seminars. Hypnosis can destroy your desire to smoke without cravings, irritability, and weight gain, or your money back. Join the over half million others who have attended. Seminars are Monday, October 3rd at Hotel Northampton. The weight loss seminar is at 5.30 and the stop smoking seminar is at 8 p.m. Go to markpatrickseminars.com to learn more. Sign up for Will Bike for Food, the Food Bank of Western Massachusetts' annual cycling fundraiser presented by Stop and Shop. Every dollar raised provides four meals for those at risk of hunger. Ride 10, 25, 50, or even 100 miles on Sunday, September 25th, or ride your own miles on your own time throughout September. Registration is just 40 bucks and includes a T-shirt and an all-access pass to the C.E. Floyd After Party with food, drinks, live music, and more. Sign up or donate to a team or individual at willbikeforfood.org. Smith Academy in Hatfield is accepting school choice applications through September 30th. With class sizes averaging 10 students, Smith Academy can offer more than 20 clubs, 7 AP courses, 14 sports teams, work studies and internships, free dual enrollment at HCC and Smith College, and computer science for all students. With a graduation rate of over 95%, most college-bound, Smith Academy can prepare you for the next step. No cost to apply or attend. Call them or go to HatfieldPS.net and schedule a tour today. We're now a mile and a half above the Greenfield drinking supply. There is a uh, dump that's been up here probably for many decades. So we're interested in drawing attention to this because as I said, it is a source of the Greenfield drinking supply. So this is the Whetstone Brook. It's one of the tributaries to the Connecticut River. It flows up from the hills at like Hogback and Marlborough down east until it meets the Connecticut River right in the middle of downtown Brattleboro. It's pretty heavily impacted when it gets into town here because it's an urban river. Like all of our waterways, it deserves our care and attention. The Connecticut River Conservancy's Source to Sea cleanup is September 23rd and 24th. It's Monty, you can join me on the 24th for the Green River portion of the cleanup or find a cleanup near you by going to ctriver.org. The Northampton Radio Group's support of the Source to Sea cleanup is made possible by UMass Five College Credit Union and USA Waste and Recycling. Join the Source to Sea cleanup. Sign up at ctriver.org. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. 
We are here in the studio with Quid J, who is a refugee, was a refugee from Ethiopia and naturalized as a citizen on July 4th. Dave Sullivan, the district attorney for the Northwestern District, and Lori Milliman, the executive director of the Center for New Americans, all with us today because next Wednesday on September 28th at 33 Holly Street at 5 o'clock, there will be the annual meeting and the Civics Bee, sponsored by the Center for New Americans with local luminaries. Lindsay Sabadosa, Mindy Dom, Gina Louise Shera, Dave Sullivan, Jim Nash, and the list goes on. We'll see how our electeds do in terms of knowledge of the basics. I, I'm sorry, Mr. District Attorney. They're basics. They're fundamental. There are things you really should know off the top of your head, and we'll ask you just to recite all the questions backwards to make sure that you got it right. Listen, we really appreciate all of the people, all of these prominent local officials who are participating in this. I think that it's more important in some ways, in many ways, to know a story. So let me ask uh, Quid Jay, you came from Ethiopia. Could you spend two minutes for us and tell us your story, your life story, how you came to the United States, why you came, and what citizenship on this past July 4th means to you? Yes. I can, yeah, I can share my story with you guys here. Please. Yeah. So, uh, my name is Kurt Jai. I am from Ethiopia. So, I, come, I came to the United States in 2016. But before I come here, uh, there was genocide happened in my country. So, I, I like my place where I live is Gambela, Western Ethiopia. So what happened in 2003, the government of Ethiopia target all men. So uh, one day they killed 224 men in the town. So after that, in 2003, I escaped out from Ethiopia, going to South Sudan, and then from South Sudan, I like I, I lived in South Sudan for two years. After two years, I decided because the life will become difficult there too. I decided to move to Kenya. So, I when I reached to Kenya, I lived there for 11 years in Rawaji camp, a place called Kakuma, Western Turkana. So after 11 years, I get a process to come to United States. Yeah, that what happened. You came to the United States when? What year was that? Uh, I, I came to the United States in 2016. Did you come right to this area, to Northampton, or did you come somewhere first? Uh, the first place I live in is North Carolina, Winnington, Salem. I lived there for two years. And how did you happen to come to Northampton? So... When I lived in North Carolina for two years, I met with a, a girl. So we become friends and just become more friends. And then she grew up in Massachusetts and her family in, in Massachusetts here. And then she decided to move to Massachusetts. And then she told me that like, if you want to move there, we can move together. So it's up to you. Then I say, yeah, it's OK. I can go <laughs> see there too. So that's why I'm here today. 
So, could, when you came to the United States, did you speak English already? Uh, sure. When I live in Ethiopia, I have not speaking in English. But the more years I live in Kenya, uh, because when I reached in Kenya, I started school again in Kenya. I started school like already I grew up, but I just started school class four and then class eight. So when I need to go to uh, grade nine to ten, that's why my process done. I guess I come here. But when I in Kenya, I start to learn English. But the more I learn, I learn in USA now. I'm okay now. And w what is your first language? My first language is Anyuak. Say that again, please. Anyuak. Mati, there's a question here. I know there is. No, there's <laughs> not. It's interesting. I've never heard that I, language before. I've never. And that is, that is the language of Ethiopia? No. For no. all Ethiopia, we have language called Amharic. Monty, got a question? No. Um, <laughs> how many languages do you speak would be the question. Uh, I speak five languages. Wow. Wow. I can't even pronounce the names of the languages. Yes, me either. Wow. Five languages. Yes. That's, that's amazing. And you, have you found work here in Western Massachusetts? Yes, I work at UMass. And what do you do there? Food service. Great. And how long have you had that job? Five years from today. Really? It's an anniversary. Yeah. Congratulations. That, that's, <laughs> Thank that, you. That's, that's, that's terrific. Uh, wow. What a, what a story. What courage. What courage. It's really moving. Lori Millman? Well, I just want to say that Quid does have an amazing story, and there are so many like them. And Forbes Library got a wonderful grant to create an oral history archives. And Quid and some of our other students are working with us and Forbes and International Language Institute of, West, of Massachusetts is also involved. And we are using the welcoming week moment right now for communities that really are committed to welcoming immigrants like ours is to start documenting these stories and create an archive. So Quid was in the library with us and the Forbes library team and Northampton Open Media to start creating an archive because these are stories that really should not be lost. Wow. 11 years, Quid, did you say 11 years yes. in a refugee camp yes. uh, in, in, in Kenya? In Kenya. Wow. Waiting for the opportunity to uh, immigrate to another country? Sure. That is a good question. Like, uh, being a refugee, you have, like, you, I can say you have three options if you become a refugee. So these three options, like, one option you will go back to your country if uh, the condition was changed. Uh, one thing, maybe you will die there. So three things, you will come like the way I come to the United States. So, but exactly, I don't have dream I can come to the United States. So my dream, I can stay there and go to school. After everything changed, I will go back home. But when I get opportunity to come to this country, yeah, I'm so happy to come here too because it's more important than go back and coming here. The, was, more, the more you come here, the more you get something too. Was the United States your first choice? 
No, I'm not thinking. I don't know. I don't know dream about you instead. I'm just thinking like maybe I will go to Canada or Australia. But at the end, I get myself like, oh, United States can take you. As, okay. as a refugee, you, did you have a choice as to what country you would go to or you were just assigned and you were assigned to come to the United States? No, you don't have a choice. Like uh, the the way the the way the way like the way embassy work. So, have like your application except by United States. United States will take you. Uh, your application except by Canada. Canada will take you. Australia, UK, like all those. Wow. Eleven years. Eleven years of waiting. Is that right? Yes. And two years before that, right? In South Sudan, you said. Yeah, two years before mm -hmm. that in South Sudan where conditions, I take it, were very difficult. Very difficult life, especially in the camp. And even, these are... Even when today, you say, nothing changed. T take a minute. When you say a refugee camp, what do you mean? Uh, when I say a refugee camp, I mean it's a place where refugees live in. And is it a, a lot, many people? Um, are, are we talking about buildings? Are we talking about... Uh, what are the living conditions like? Uh, yeah, it's like... So, like, Unishare or UN, like, it built a home for, like, for 1,150, like, because we have many different countries in that camp. No, only one, like, all, like, part of Africa people that are living there. So, what will happen? So, if you reach there, Unishare can give you, like, shelter to live in. Uh, but the life really is so difficult, especially like getting water, getting food. You can get food, but it's not enough food for your life. So, like, that is what happened. I, I remember, like, you can, like, sleep, like, two days, almost two, three days without food, like, drinking water because the food is finished. So you don't have option to get something to eat until you get another one. Wow. What a story. Jay, you are an inspiration. Lori Millman, thank you for the Center for New Americans. District Attorney Dave Sullivan, a final word from you? Um, I, I think we've heard it best from Kud is, is how humbling um, these immigrants are, how, how humble and uh, that they've come here for a new life and uh, we need to give them that opportunity. So what uh, Lori does with all the people at Center for New Americans is just a wonderful thing, and let's be a welcoming nation again. Um, we just need to lay that mat out. There's refugees from all over the world that need a home, and whether it's here in Massachusetts or California or Texas or Florida, let's put out the welcome mat for them because they need a home. Yeah, I'm into that. Lori Millman, you want to tell our listeners one more time, please, how they can sign up to uh, be part of the Civics Bee? Yes, we would love to see people there who would like to learn more about our program. Email laurie at cnam.org. Call 413-587-0084. Let us know you're interested. And thank you all. Laurie Millman, Dave Sullivan, Kud Jay, thank you all so very, very much. This is Bill Newman, WHMP.
For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The Greenfield City Council held a jam-packed meeting last night that lasted almost five hours, addressing topics such as the police department audit and environmental contamination at the former Lunt Silversmith factory. Human Rights Commission member Wendy Goodman announced her resignation over these issues and the city's apparent disregard for human welfare. Let's acknowledge that there is a problem. Let's investigate it. Let's see what's going on. But let's take it away from these individual things, too, and let's start looking at it as human rights issues. Dissatisfied with the mayor's leadership style and refusal to accept the jury's ruling that the Greenfield police chief had acted with racial animus, she symbolically declared her resignation to be a vote of no confidence in the mayor and her management of the police department. The Northampton Arts Council Board is planning a forum to discuss the cancellation of the Biennial Arts Exhibit last year. The board held its first official meeting since last December, now that they have enough members to form a quorum. The Biennial was started in 2006, but was canceled last year after some Indigenous artists raised objections. Many were unhappy with the board, citing censorship. Northampton City Councilors are gathering public input on whether to put a cap on the number of marijuana dispensaries in town. Addiction, mental health, and cannabis industry experts met with the Council's Community Resources Subcommittee on Monday amid controversy over a new dispensary taking over the site of Pizza Factory in Florence. Another meeting is scheduled for October 3rd with Police Chief Jody Casper and town health officials. Good morning. Be ready for scattered showers and thunderstorms. First half of the day will dry out during the second half of the day. Even a little bit of sunshine this afternoon, a high of 66 to 70. Variable clouds tonight, 40 to 46. Mostly sunny, windy tomorrow, a high of 56 to 60. Mid-60s on Saturday. 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rashivega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. La ciudad de Holyoke repavimentará High Street a partir de este jueves 22 de septiembre. El alcalde Joshua García pide a los miembros del público que planifiquen adecuadamente. El proceso de fresado de High Street se llevará a cabo del 22 al 26 de septiembre, comenzando en High Street desde la carretera 391 hasta Essex Street, que estará cerrada el jueves 22 de septiembre. Luego, desde Essex a Lyman Street, estará cerrado el viernes 23 de septiembre y algunas secciones estarán cerradas el lunes 26 de septiembre de 6 de la mañana a 5 de la tarde. No habrá estacionamiento disponible en High Street durante este tiempo. Sin embargo, el alcalde García señaló que el público podrá estacionarse en los estacionamientos de la ciudad durante este periodo sin costo. Las paradas de autobús de la PVTA se reubicarán para el jueves y el viernes y a pesar del cierre del tránsito vehicular, se permitirá el acceso de peatones en High Street para el acceso a negocios y residencias. En otras informaciones, el fiscal general de Nueva York demandó el miércoles al expresidente Donald Trump y su compañía por fraude, alegando que aumentaron su patrimonio neto en miles de millones de dólares al mentir sobre el valor de activos preciados, incluidos campos de golf, hoteles y sus casas en Trump Tower y Mar-a-Lago. La procuradora general Leticia James lo denominó el arte del robo. La demanda de James, presentada en un tribunal estatal de Nueva York, es la culminación de una investigación civil de tres años contra Trump y la organización Trump. Los tres hijos mayores de Trump, Donald Jr., Ivanka y Eric, también fueron nombrados como acusados junto con dos ejecutivos de la compañía desde hace mucho tiempo, Allen Weisselberg y Jeffrey McConey. James quiere que Trump y los demás acusados paguen al menos 250 millones de dólares, que según ella es el valor aproximado de los beneficios que obtuvo a través de prácticas fraudulentas. Yo soy Johan Rashi Vega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media.
This is Bill Newman, WHMP. And this is our Thursday segment, The Reverend and the Rabbi, with the Reverend Carol Bull and Rabbi Justin David, who hopes to have with us today a very special guest who either has or has not joined us on Skype. Monty, no, not here yet. Well, let me then pose to the Rabbi and the Reverend a question that I have been deeply concerned about since we began watching Ken Burns's The United States and the Holocaust series on PBS this week, and that is... Where is our responsibility as members of the world community to those who are the most oppressed and most in danger and whose lives are at stake, an issue that is brought back and that resonates not because of the history, well, yes, in part because of the history of what the United States did not do to save the Jews of Europe, but beyond that, what is our responsibility today as members of a world community. Uh, can I start with you, uh, Rabbi? Um, yes. Um, so, um, I'm uh, uh, actually, um, uh, why don't you have Carol start only because I'm helping our guest with the link. Okay, great. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Appreciate that. So, uh, what is our responsibility? Well, it's an everyday and ongoingly responsibility. Uh, it's at the heart of the scripture of the Abrahamic tradition. Um, to uh, This is our primary reason for being alive, actually, is to love others, accept them as they are, and bring healing where we are able to bring healing. Um, and as my, one of my mentors, Reverend Lawson, says, you know, each faith community cannot do everything, but each faith community can pick something that is uniquely theirs uh, to bring. Um, so that's kind of that would be my most deep and general answer to the question. Do we have our guest on yet? Are we still working on that? Well, that that's that's coming. Um, but um, but I, I very much appreciate that, Carol. You know. Um, uh, for the Jewish community, Rosh Hashanah, of course, is Monday and Tuesday. And one of the central stories we read on Rosh Hashanah, and we read it publicly and we talk about it, uh, is that of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael. And uh, one of the understandings is that the story of Hagar and Ishmael um, is actually an encapsulation of uh, what's going to become, or foreshadowing of what's going to become a story, the story of the Israelites being oppressed in Egypt and leaving Egypt. And so that really becomes uh, the central focus. Um, welcome uh, to our guest, uh, Miriam Kabakov, uh, the executive director of Eshel. And um, last week, Monty and I were talking about, um, we're, we're talking about the, um, the story in the New York Times about uh, Yeshiva University's reaction to an LGBTQ student group on campus. And, and that's become an ongoing uh, issue, but as a counterpoint to that, uh, because questions came about came up about uh, the um, place and the attitudes uh, of LGBTQ folk within the Orthodox community, uh, and I really, uh, not being a part of the Orthodox community, I'm not at all qualified to respond to that. But luckily, there's someone who is in our community, our Northampton community, our Northampton Jewish community, who is, and so uh, Miriam. Um, uh, directs, an organ, uh, directs an organization called Eshel. Uh, so Miriam, welcome. Why don't you tell us about 
your organization in general. Tell us about Aishel and tell us about some of the projects you're working on right now. Sure thing. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Um, so I guess well, I should start by saying how old Aishel is. Aishel has been around for about 12 years. And it was started by a group of people that had been doing work organizing Orthodox LGBTQ Jews, like kind of under the radar, you know, there was no formal organization and just a lot of different community groups and people were finding each other. And, um, you know, it is a very wonderful, powerful time to be um, in New York at that time. That's where I was living and, um, you know, coming out and in the Orthodox community or within Orthodox circles. And um, it wasn't an easy thing to do. And it was like, if you, need, if you found somebody like you, then um, it, everything just got better. <laughs> so um, uh, so Aishel was formed as an organization, um, you know, that is um, our purpose is to, our vision is that any Orthodox LGBTQ Jew can live in an Orthodox community um, of their choice that one day all Orthodox communities will be open to and welcoming of and fully like it, knowing how to integrate their LGBTQ members. Well, could you stop there for a second, Miriam? Because I think a lot of listeners would like to know more about this, and I'd love to hear uh, what uh, Reverend Carol Bull is from the United Church of Ware and Rabbi Justin David from Congregation B'nai Israel. When you talk about uh, fundamentalist Christians, I don't think that's an open and welcoming community for LGBTQ uh, individuals. And I'm wondering whether or not that same kind of uh, prejudice exists in the Orthodox Jewish community with regard to the LGBTQ community. Can you tell us about it that? It does. Yeah. It absolutely does. That I mean, that's why Eshel exists. To... Um, yeah, to be able to allow people to stay in the faith that they grew up in as an LGBTQ person. And I guess it's, I mean, I'm sure there are very different ways that people react in each community of faith, but I think underlying is a similar approach in that it's a sin, like it's a sin to be gay and, you know, we, we don't reject the sinner, but we do reject the sin but it's still thought of as um, a sin and you're, you're the sinner. So um, it's, you know, there's a lot of homophobia just socially and there's, you know, um, pretty much rejection from the top of that. It's okay to um, have this identity. And so I think it's probably pretty similar, but I don't know exactly because I haven't been in those other communities of faith. Um, I hope that answers your question, Monty. I'm not sure. I, I, I'd like to hear how, uh, Rabbi Justin David, this is, of course, not the uh, position or the belief system for uh, the other, the three other branches of Judaism, but how do, how do you reconcile that there is a branch of Judaism where LGBTQ individuals are not welcome? Or not? Well, that's... That's that's why I'm so interested to talk to have Miriam here because, um, you know, I think, you know, the work is ongoing. But what what I'm always um, so interested in um, is to hear how actually things are changing in the Orthodox world and 
to hear um, how uh, to hear sort of um, uh, about the work of Aishel, but also about the changing attitudes of schools and congregations and community leaders. And um, so, Miriam, I, I was wondering if you could tell us more uh, about that, how um, you know the inroads you're making and, and how you see attitudes changing. Sure. So I'll say that um, I think I think of this very much as a grassroots organization in that we have a lot of people who are living within Orthodox communities. Many of them are parents of LGBTQ people who cannot take it or cannot stand it <laughs> that their children are not completely embraced um, once they come out. So they have been like some of the major change makers um, in their communities. So we work a lot with parents and um, they have their own coming out process. So they, you know, once their child tells them, then they need to decide if they can, if they will tell their friends and their rabbi. And it's a really hard process because some of them lose their friends and they will lose their communities sometimes, or they're, you know, they just won't be accepted in the same way. Um, and, you know, we, the way we operate is that we actually gather people together. Um, in the pandemic, it's been a bit of a challenge, much, much more gathering over Zoom than in person, you know, but in person, there's kind of nothing like it. So we have been having annual retreats. And so we have them for LGBTQ Orthodox people, and we have them for the parents. And when we get the parents together, they actually find a brand new Orthodox community that they can feel completely comfortable in. And they also find their voice. And then you know, it's hard for them when their child comes out. It's very hard to accept it internally. But once they can sort of adjust and figure out this new reality, then they actually can develop a voice where they can go back to their leaders and say why they should be more accepting of their children. Um, so that's one one way that we've made change through people living in within communities on the ground. And and another way has just been basically door knocking. Like we have this um, wonderful project called the Welcoming Shoals Project. And it um, we've interviewed, it's like a, the beginning of a dialogue. So we've interviewed about 240 Orthodox rabbis across North America and just asked them like a list of questions. You know, if an LGBTQ person wants to join your synagogue, how can they do it? Or if they want to lead a service or if they want to have their child's bar mitzvah, like, what are all the things that they can know upon entering your synagogue? And often that beginning dialogue will just sort of spark some more questions on the rabbi's part. Oh, I never thought of it that way. Could you tell me more? Um, because what's happening basically is that people, are, kids are coming out earlier and earlier, right? Kids are coming out now, the age is like 15, 14 years old. This is true also in the Orthodox community. So the kids are coming out, you know, it's, it's very unusual for an Orthodox community or a rabbi to say, don't be Orthodox anymore. That's like unheard of. Nobody ever says that. I mean, but it's, they're saying it to LGBTQ people because it's, it's, it's too complicated to figure out why God would have created us this way and expected us to be living this life of Torah values and, you know, um, commitment to Orthodox halakha and Jewish law. So it's somewhat easier when kids leave, but our purpose is so that they do not need to leave the communities in which they're growing up. And we believe that orthodoxy will be richer for it. Um, and, you know, a more diverse and interesting place to be for everybody. So, um, 
things have changed over time. We've seen like subtle changes in the very beginning. So, you know, just even having this conversation was unheard of when we started. I mean, it was a very hard conversation to open up and now we've opened up many of them. And, you know, we're sort of seeing subtle changes like it used to be called the homosexual lifestyle, right? There is no such thing as the homosexual lifestyle. Like, you know, just because you're gay doesn't mean your lifestyle looks any different than anybody else from in a similar socioeconomic class. So, and then the word homosexual is often associated with like the DSM and, you know, um, mental illness. So now the, you know, the letters LGBT are coming out of the mouths of Orthodox rabbis and that's different. Um, you know, we're working very closely with um, some bodies of rabbinic, some organizations and also uh, many rabbis on figuring out ways to create different kinds of structures of membership so that um, people in, gay, in LGBTQ families can join as a family in their synagogues um, and, you know, ways to celebrate that don't feel like they are in violation of Jewish laws. Mary, I'm going to interrupt you there because we have to take a break. And when we come back, I want to ask about that. I want to ask about Jewish law. I want to ask about uh, Christian beliefs too, because I want to know how do religious congregations deal with the issue of, you say it's a sin, but then you want these people to be part of your religious congregation. We're going to explore that on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Hearing the verdict and hearing the words racial animus were extremely painful for, certainly for myself, and for the women and men of the Greenfield Police Department who really do go to work every day to serve the people of Greenfield. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. At PV Squared Solar, we live by our mission, energizing a brighter future for people and planet. This year, we are celebrating our 20th anniversary. 20 years of designing, building, and maintaining quality solar. 20 years of relationships founded on trust and clean energy. 20 years of powerful cooperation. Thank you for the partnerships along the way, and we look forward to serving this community for 20 years more. Happy birthday, PV Squared! Learn more at pvsquared.coop. Hello, this is Mother Nature speaking. Well, speaking through me. You can just let everything slide until next spring, but I'm not going to be happy. I know you're busy. We're all busy. That's why you call Beyond Landscape. They cut back the perennials, deadhead the flowers, clean up the leaves and compost them. Maybe the lawn needs feeding or the beds need weaning. Oh, you'll get to it? Oh, really? Listen to your mother. Take back your weekend. Call Beyond Landscape. Book a fall cleanup. Why work for just any hospital when you can work for Cooley Dickinson Hospital? Winner of the Best Local Hospital Award by the Gazette 2022 Reader's Choice Awards, and right now they're offering a $7,500, yes, a $7,500 sign-on bonus for surgical techs and first assistant surgical techs. On-the-spot interviews are Tuesday, September 27th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. at Cooley Dickinson Hospital, North Entrance, Route 9, Northampton, or visit CooleyDickinson.org to apply. At American National, we understand the tried and true farm and ranch lifestyle, and what's important to you is important to us. 
You deserve an insurance plan custom-made to meet all the specific needs of your agribusiness operation. American National offers flexible farm and ranch policies with package options to help better protect your livelihood. We're right by your side. For more information and to connect with a local American National agent, just visit AmericanNational.com. American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday Downtown Sounds? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Downtown Sounds Workers Co-op, a music store with new and used instruments and lessons. Live online or live in person. First lessons free when you buy an instrument. Plus, repairs of musical instruments and equipment. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at WHMP.com. What if, what if we run away? This what is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue this special edition of The Reverend and the Rabbi. Let me turn the microphone over to Rabbi Justin David from Congregation B'nai Israel here in Northampton. Rabbi. Well, I want to pivot for a moment to uh, Carol Bull and to ask kind of a follow-up question to what Miriam was just talking about, because Miriam, you described changes happening in the Orthodox world that are not necessarily sweeping in the sense of you know, everyone agreeing on something, but in these very personal, uh, direct ways, it sounds as if there's a critical mass of people that um, that are changing and that there are things changing. And I'm wondering, Carol, if what you've seen um, in your experience as a minister uh, and as an involved Christian, if, if changes occurred in a similar way or a different way. Yeah, so I'm, I'm also a lesbian minister and um, uh in at the united church in, in where and um you know the ucc in general is the most progressive christian denomination if you go further left you'd be a unitarian universalist so we're known for our progressive values in a whole bunch of areas. United Church of Ware has been an open and affirming church for many years now. I think I'm the only gay person there, as far as I know, uh, but you never know, uh, it's, and it's a small congregation. Um, but, uh, but certainly, I mean, I'm, I, I thought, uh, Miriam, as you were talking a little bit about the Mormons, actually. So there's a group of parents in the Mormon tradition who have been fighting now for a number of years, at least 10 that I know of, to allow their children to have a place in, uh, and to, for gay people to have a place in their denomination. Um, the Methodists, as you know, uh, recently uh, had changes, and, and our church is part Methodist, part UCC, um, and they've had some changes with uh, different uh, countries around the world, uh, I think in Nigeria, you know, that so they've had like this split of people who don't want to include LGBTQI+. Certainly in Christianity as a whole, there's a wide variation on, on all of these matters. And as we know, the right wing, uh, you know, the right wing Christians, you know, get a lot of uh, funding and, and voice. So um, I, my own feeling around this is that progressive Christians have to get much more out there in terms of saying what we believe and what our values are um, and not be afraid to, uh, like right now we're starting to play contemporary Christian music in, uh, at United Church of Where they've done normally very intense like hymnal singing and organ playing and we're trying to broaden that um, that out so uh 
anyway, just to say it is an ongoing issue, but it has to, it starts when people start telling the truth about who they are and when they start telling the truth about who they are to those faith communities. Yeah. Miriam, can you say something about that, how important it is for people to tell the truth about who they are and who their kids are in the Orthodox community? Yeah. I mean, once they do, then we can actually have a real conversation, but nobody should ever tell something that they're not ready to tell. And, you know, we tell this to people all the time when they're coming out. They could lose everything immediately. So there's a way to come out and a time with the right support. You know, it's definitely a great idea to be honest with yourself and with everyone else around you. We're going to leave it there. This has been a very special edition of the Reverend the Rabbi. Rabbi, Reverend, Miriam, thank you all so very much for sharing. Thank you for having me. Oh, I love you so bad. Like the kid in the back of the classroom. This is Bill can't Newman, WHMP. Because you can't see the black boy so bad. You know I love you so bad. Want to support the kind of local talk you hear on The Bill Newman Show? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And we'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. Forbes Library Outreach Delivery Service caters to residents of any age who are homebound due to short or long-term disability in Northampton, Florence, and Leeds. A volunteer will deliver your specific requests or select materials for you based on your interests. We offer books, magazines, CDs, DVDs, and puzzles. Call 413-587-1019 or sign up at forbeslibrary.org. Talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station.